0: Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I am very glad to be here. I know we had tried to organise it last year, but I got to look at my four walls of my living room instead, um, as you all did. So if you don't know me, um, I am actually a Kiwi. Um, I left New Zealand when I was 17 and I've been in ministry ever since. Um, So that's going on a bit now. Um, (laughs) And Gary and I have two beautiful children. One is seven, uh, well almost seven, he's seven next week, and a four-year-old going on 15. Um, She likes to think she's older and apparently I'm not cute enough and she's trying to um, teach me how to be cute. I've got to put my fists under here and bat my eyelids and yeah, she's 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 entertaining. If you don't follow us on social media, follow Gary, because um, I don't do anything on social media, so just Welsh Eagle, and you'll see our two beautiful children. They're adorable. Um, I am really excited to be with you guys today. Amen? Yeah. It's fun doing family, and I just really want to encourage you that God's doing stuff right now, even though it looks really different. Yeah. Yeah. And he's trying to get our attention and trying to weed out our own understanding. Because the culture of this world has crept in and we rely on our own understanding and we rely on our own strengths to get through day-to-day living with Jesus, right? The one thing that I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist, I haven't quite recovered, because there's parts of my perfectionism that I really like, um, but I really enjoy it, not really, when God pulls me up on it, because I realize that in our weakness, His strength is perfected. And so He's taking me on this horrible, joyful journey um, of Guys, if you haven't quite caught it, I'm really real and normal, so um, you'll get used to it. Uh, <laughs> he's taking me personally on this journey of being fully acquainted with my weaknesses and where I'm failing and, and and where I'm not quite perfect. I don't really like it, don't love it, but I'm realizing that my weaknesses allow him to come and be with me in a completely different way and guess what i realized i'm not alone in all my strength my weaknesses you all have them too yeah. when i run into a circumstance and my ego is manifesting guess what yours probably will be too and i realize if i can call it for what it is and be brave enough to come and go god i am I'm, I, I'm no longer going to try and earn my salvation. I'm no longer going to try and keep my salvation by being the performance monkey that I like to, have, well, actually have been brought up in the church. So um, that's what I was taught to do. Christian Botox on a Sunday. Everything's fine. Everything's awesome. You know, oh, I've been around my kids too long. Those who have watched the Lego movie, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything has a song to it, Right. But I want to encourage you that that God is doing such a deep, deep work because he needs our foundation strong. One of my mentors, every time I talk to her and I'm like, seriously, Mary, you've got to stop telling me this. She goes, we need an upgrade of our revelation of who God is because our current revelation is insufficient for the seasons that are ahead of us. And I'm like, ugh. I'm like, that means I've got to actually get after that area of unbelief in my heart or the area where I don't quite feel loved or that trigger of rejection or the trigger of fear. Guys, we all get triggered, right? And none of that has really anything to do with what I was talking about today. But (laughs) it is so on the heart of the Father right now that we have a choice right now because we're in a moment of transition. And it's almost like he's taking us back to square one. He's redefining the playing field. There is no playing field right now that is what it was. And there's some things that we've attached ourselves to that he doesn't want us to hold on to anymore because he wants us to hold on to him instead. So why don't we pray and we'll get into what the Lord's placed upon my heart. Father, I ask that you just... Come in your power and in your grace and in your kindness. Lord, come with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to unlock our hearts and transform us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you to come and move and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like sparkling water. That's uh, ironically, normal water makes me feel a little bit off queasy after I was pregnant with my daughter. So it took me a while to drink water again. It is amazing to me in the season that we're in that we're finding more often than not that there is this cultural uncertainty. And it's not just in Melbourne. And it's not, it's actually all around the world. And it's the first time the whole world has gone through such uncertainty. And the one thing that is in our DNA and the way we're wired is when there is uncertainty, as humans, we're like looking for the safest place possible. Like, where can I go? What can I control? And... Where can I hide that's safe, that feels secure, that feels awesome? And as Christians, we like to think that we go to what the Lord is saying, right? But how many of us know when we're emotionally uncertain how hard it is to hear the Lord? Anybody else find that? It's like, God, you were speaking to me reams and reams of revelation just yesterday, and now I am in a crisis. Where did you go? Does anybody else experience that? And you try to find your old prophetic words, and you're digging them out, and you're whoop, whoop, dusting them off, and you're like, Lord, but, but my circumstances look nothing like that. Like, oh, that must be wrong. Or 25 years later, I'm still believing for the same promise. Lord, are you ever going to do it? And there comes a time when we're in seasons of uncertainty and things that we look for what the Lord is saying. You've got to realize, even me, who's been in the prophetic ministry since I was 17, still get into those seasons of distress and go, Lord, where did you go? It's normal. It's real. And this is the journey that the Lord has taken me over in the last sort of five or six months of realizing that it kind of ebbs and flows of whether I can hear him or not hear him, but it's all to do with me. Let's go to Revelation 3.20. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now, Will you use your imagination with me just for a moment? You'll humor me? Awesome. There's a door here. I hear. (gasps) Judgment. Come on in, judgment. Just stand right there. I'm sure other people will come. It's okay. Fear. Oh, welcome. Welcome. Hey, peace. Peace. Peace, where are you, peace? You've got to go because fear's here. Criticism, opinion, welcome. Ah, wisdom looks great on you. Anxiety and worry, yes! I've got my new full-time job because, you know what, peace... Staying cool, calm and collect makes me feel like I'm doing nothing. It's a full-time job being worried and anxious, right? You see, if we go back to Revelations 3.20, it says, I behold, I stand at the door and knock, but if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, not the knock, you see, we're too busy having our, our circumstances knocking at our door and we're opening the door and we're letting criticism, we're letting opinion, we're letting all of that stuff, fear and anxiety in. And then we go to try and hear his voice and we wonder why we can't hear him is because we've got too many guests sitting at our table. There are uninvited guests that we have allowed in. And God's saying, I want you to hear me clearly. Listen for my voice. Don't listen for the knock of your circumstances. You see, he wants to come in and dine with you. That's communion. He wants face-to-face relationship with you. And you know what? My perfectionism actually allows all those other things in because I can't show God the face-to-face me, the whole me. For some reason, performance has crept into our daily walk with the Lord and we think we have to have it all together and be absolutely fine before the Lord will even speak to us. But He is a good, good Father. And do you know what? he's the one that determines whether he's in relationship with us. He chose you. He knew you. He's not afraid of all your weaknesses. He's not afraid of your opinions. He's not afraid of your judgments. He's not afraid. He just doesn't want to leave you in those places. But what we've done is like, oh, we can't judge because that's what it says in the Word. We've got to forgive. And so we just say it like it's like a robotic thing, and then we move on, not realizing all we're doing is putting a Band-Aid and shoving it all down and not acknowledging it for what it is and allowing the Lord to speak into that moment. And so we carry all of these friends and burdens with us that actually belong to him, and he wants to take them at the place of communion with us. He wants to say, hey, fear, fear is real. Fear was actually a designed ability for you. God actually gave you fear. Do you realize that? Fear is there to keep you alive. Fear is there to say, wow, that is a really tall cliff. I'm not going near that edge. Fear is there if you're in danger, because it's actually naturally wired in your body to keep you alive. But what fear can do emotionally, is be very present in the wrong context. And we listen to fear's voice instead of his voice. But perfect love casts out fear. He wants that place of going, gosh, I am reacting all over the place. I am afraid. God, in the middle of the pandemic, we lost 100% of our income. Lord, how am I going to feed our children? That's scary, right? God, in the middle of the pandemic, I lost my job. God, in the middle of the pandemic, my parents in New Zealand got really, really sick. God, in the, in the middle of the pandemic, my father-in-law in Wales got COVID. He's got other issue, other d- issues. That's scary, right? But what do I do with that fear? if I don't validate it and call it for what it is and take it to the one who can deal with it. And I love it. Jesus is the answer for everything, right? But it's, it's actually taking the practical steps to move towards him. Because yeah. out of my whole world is when I'm in those positions, I tend to move away from him out of self-protection and out of self-preservation how many of us do that? We just do it. And I'm, I'm learning. I'm retraining my brain. I'm retraining my orientation to go. I start walking. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's turn towards him. Allow his voice to come in. I'm going to shut the door on fear, anxiety. I'm going to remove them from my table so that I can hear him in the midst of whatever I'm going through. You see, Psalm 23 says, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You see, when when you go to a restaurant and you're on a date with your special person or your loved one, right, and there's a ruckus in your restaurant, do you get up and deal with it? Whose job is it to deal with it? The waiter or the waitress? You see, when David's talking about it, he's not talking about restaurant terms, but he's talking about the fact that the Lord sets a table for us to dine with him. And he says, the battle is mine, says the Lord. He's like, ignore everything else. Focus on me because I'm going to make your cup run over. You're going to feast on me. You're not going to fight. It's not our job to fight. Our job is to feast on him and watch God arise in the middle of our circumstances. One of my favorite stories of a missionary, um, I'm assuming it was Africa because it just sounds like Africa, but he's in the back end of somewhere and this witch doctor comes to him and starts levitating in front of him and he's like, you do this or I'll murder you basically was the thing. Wouldn't that be nice? Back end of Africa going, okay, cool, I'm dead, you know? That's what I'd be thinking anyway. But do you know what this missionary did? He's like, I can't levitate because he's using God knows what to do that. And he's really high off the ground. And do you know what this guy did? He just goes, let God arise. Let God arise. And he just starts praising him. Let God arise. Little did he know until he opened his eyes that he was five feet off the ground. The witch doctor got delivered and saved. And he lived to tell the story. Sorry. But in our ability of self-preservation and in our invitations to anxiety and fear and criticism and all of those things that we dress up as wisdom, um, we, we really do struggle to hear his voice and his perspective on things because we're so consumed listening to the things of this world that we forget that he has a completely different perspective. You see, prophecy and promise is God's narrative over our lives. And one of the things that I realize that I come across a lot, because we do do a lot of travel when there's no COVID, um, is that we have this disparity between, or this chasm between what God has said and our present, ex- present circumstances, right? And what, the way I was taught to live with that conflict was kind of downplay your circumstances, ignore your circumstances, and just keep declaring what God is saying over your life. But you know what? That actually made me more miserable. And that made me get into this horrible spiral of disappointment and discouragement and what the Lord is teaching me to do at the moment is accept my present. Be present and accept it. And I'm like, it just, just I don't want to accept it because this is not what you said over my life. And do you know what the Lord took me to is Paul and Silas in the, in the prison. he's like, no, not Paul and Silas, sorry. It's um, who's in the prison praising God? Peter. And my brain's gone. Is it Paul and Silas? Oh, good, I'm second-guessing myself. I need another coffee. Um, <laughs> Paul and Silas in the prison, do you think they denied whether they were in the prison or not? Do, they, do you think they pretended that they weren't just beaten to the end of their lives? They couldn't, but they praised anyway, but they praised from the place of weakness. They accepted Their reality, they didn't agree with it. And one of our tensions with the prophetic is we're too busy disagreeing with our current circumstances to even hear what the Lord actually wants to do in the moment. Because we're fighting with this pie-in-the-sky vision, whatever, the utopian dream of what the prophetic God's narrative over our lives. But you know what? God's more interested in not your arrival He's interested in the process. And so he wants to be a part of your process, but we're so busy fighting, we end up, out of self-preservation, going into that spiral of disappointment, and then we blame him for not showing up. Accepting our presence and our present actually means that we're going to be in a position of inviting God into our now. We're not on the hamster wheel race trying to get to what we feel like the Lord has said over our lives, someday, somehow, some way. I don't know about you, but how does prophecy get fulfilled? Is it a magic moment that suddenly you get that wonderful breakthrough? Or is it a series of a thousand events leading up to that moment of breakthrough? You see, we we tend to get all the amazing testimonies of the end result. But nobody's present through the ups and downs of the journey of all the things the Lord has done deep in them for that very moment of breakthrough. Do you know what I used to think prophetic breakthrough looked like? (laughs) Trip to Fiji. Man, that breakthrough, that promised land, that God's promised that there would be no more battles, no more nothing. Trip to Fiji. It's the best. I can then, like, I'll get my breakthrough and I can put my feet up. But how many of us know that's not really what the promise is all about? You see, if you look in Scripture, when they crossed over the Jordan to their promised land, <laughs> they were circumcised. Ouch! And then they had to go take on Jericho, which was the notorious city that was impenetrable. And they had to do it silently. Like, come on, guys. Like, seriously. When we're living in our promises, we don't realize and we underestimate that you are actually living in the promise fulfilled right now. It's just a part of your journey. It's a part of your story. And if we're too busy sitting at the table with fear, anxiety and criticism and judgments of our own making, we're going to miss what God is really actually taking us into. Yeah. See, each prophecy that we get is just an invitation to have an encounter with Him. It's a part of His heart for you in that moment. And it's not just the, the doing that a lot of us look for in prophetic words, in prophetic words is also about who you are. So and you know what? I look at my who you are's in my prophetic words, I'm like, mm, nothing like that. But he sees me like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's taking me on a journey for me to fulfill that. Well, yeah. so, so it's not just about the doing. If we're sitting at the table of relationship with him in this journey... We, we must, it's so key to be attached and tethered to his voice on a day-to-day basis, not just the big prophetic words that we get because he wants to be in connection and relationship with you. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, brethren, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love. I don't know about you, but I hear a lot from around the world about the prophetic ministry. And its we used to say it's the crazy zoo or the who's who in the charismatic zoo in the prophetic world. And... Depending on your experience, every single person here has probably had a very different experience with the prophetic. The prophetic has been known for so many different things, both negative and positive. But, and then I think it was early 80s when the prophetic was even allowed in mainstream church. So it actually hasn't been around for that long. And we've gone from the, you know, only some can prophesy to everyone can prophesy only some can work in words of knowledge. Not everyone can work in words of knowledge. We've, we've done a lot of pendulum swings, right, through the prophetic over the last sort of 50 years. And I fear at the moment we've done another pendulum swing. We're pursuing the gift. We've forgotten to pursue love first. And... It is the prophecy in and of itself is the intention of God's heart towards someone. That's what it is. That's bottom line. Whether you're listening to him for yourself, you see his voice is kind. He's intentional. He is a drawer, not a driver. He's not condemning. He's not, what's the word? Sitting there waiting for you to, be corrected. He's not ready to correct you. see if God corrects you and you're open for his correction, you won't even realize you're corrected until afterwards because he's such a clever skillful surgeon <laughs> that you're like afterwards you're like, wow, this is amazing I'm free ow that really hurt and I've got to let go of a whole lot of stuff. That's what real correction from the Lord looks like. You see, gifts and prophecy, whether you're dealing with the prophetic or whether it's healing or whatever other gift the Lord has given us, they are all byproducts of the overflow expression of our pursuit of love. And love is a person. It's not a thing. It's not a doing. It's a person. You see, without love, we are nothing. In First Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, It says that we without love, we're what? How many how many of us love the tambourine muses? I remember when we first took over Hillview, Gary put up a sign about three weeks into it with the tambourine and then the X through it. He's a musician. I was like, oh dear, that's mortifying. But sorry, that was a rabbit trail. But we're just a clanging symbol without love. And I want to show you a pattern in scripture. You've got 1 Corinthians 12, you've got the gifts. He's talking all about the gifts. And then for some strange reason, he kind of rabbit trails and starts talking about love. You see, if I was a writer, I would put gifts all together and then talk about love and then move on to something else. But he doesn't do that, does he? He goes, gifts, love, gifts. Now, why did he do that? Does anybody know why he did that? See, back in the Old Testament, when you look at the priest's garment, what did they wear? They wore an ephod. And what was at the bottom of the ephod? Bells and pomegranates. Bell, symbol, pomegranate, fruit. What is love? Love. A fruit of the Spirit. What is a bell? Gifts. So he's representing to us through his grammatical genius the pattern of what we need, just the same as the priests. Because why did they have it at the bottom? It's because they made a continual noise before the Lord. But if there was no pomegranates between each bell, they would have made a clanging sound rather than ringing true. For us, we must pursue love and be filled with His love so that we can move and have our being and be a continual sound before the Lord that's ringing true, but not as individuals, as one body. We must pursue love. And it's not the love, like in our actions and demonstration of this love, cannot be defined by this world. Because love is relative, it's whatever you think it is today, but it can only be defined by Jesus, and His kind of love is kind of hard because He says no greater love than um, one has for His friends that He gives His life for them. You know, when we complain that we've got to get up at two a.m. for our kids, well, I don't know about you, but I do. Like, why are you getting up at 2 a.m. in the morning just to tell me you need to go toilet? You can, you're seven. I'll tell you another funny one. Love looks like Jesus, right? There's no right in love, really. But I have this awesome need to be right. And Gary and I are in this intense moment of fellowship. And this time I actually was right. Just Just so you know. And we're in this intense, and I'm crying, and I'm like, well, why won't you listen to me? I'm right. And I hear the Lord. I hear the voice of the Lord who says, love requires nothing. And I was like, I was about to say something else to Gary just to prove how right I was, and I hear it again, love requires nothing. And I was like, I'll get back to you. And I run to my bedroom and then I cry even more because then I was so convicted that I needed to be right and it wasn't worth it because 100% of the time it is better to love than to be right. But I was all right. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You see, what we've pendulum to with the prophetic especially is an accurate prophetic word, trumps. Or overrides love. I remember my first encounter with um, a prophet. um, Her name's Isabel Allen. Some of you may have heard of her. But up until her, I had never experienced somebody who prophesied from the connection of the heart of the Father. And the love aspect of just, it was always really hard-lined, you know, right, wrong, black, white kind of prophets, and she prophesied, and it wasn't over, even over me, she prophesized over somebody for like 20 minutes, and literally, it was like the face of God talking to you, wow. and you just, and it didn't, you didn't actually care, you we were sitting in a room like this, and you didn't care whether she was, there was no pick me, you know, when you get around prophetic people, it's like, pick me, please, pick me. Donkey syndrome, I totally get it all the time. Um, <laughs> and, but it's like the face of God, the, the, the tangible presence, the, the weighty revelation of who he is was in the room. That's what I want. You see, fruit, the love fruit must be evident in everything we say and do when we're prophesying out of encouragement, strength, and comfort, it comes from that place of his great love for us. From the beginning of time, God has given everything. He's done everything to communicate his love for us. And I know we all go through this at certain times and I'm not worthy. I'm not, how can God use me? And we all vacillate ups and downs and you might do it one month and not for three years, and then all of a sudden it comes up again. But do you know what I really want to encourage you is you don't get to determine your worth. He did when he sent his only son to die for you. He determined your worth. And no amount of work, no amount of whatever is going to change his decision of how worth it you are. And he's the one that comes to us, not us trying to get to him. In Psalms, in the Passion Translation, I love it. I love this one. I think it's 67, I think. And he says, When I'm far from home, I just cry out to my Father, and he will come and find me and take me back into his wraparound presence. When I feel far from home, You'll come and find me. You know, it's that pursuit of love that our prophetic must be from. Pursue love. Pursue him, because out of that will your abundant life that you so want will flow. Pursue him, because everything else is added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2.2 says, I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm reminded again and again, even on the drive here, to be intently listening to his voice. And if I can't hear him, I'm reminded again to look at what else am I listening to and who my uninvited guests are. Because it's not him, he's always speaking whether it's through the voice, whether it's through his word, whether it's through signs, whether it's through road, you know cars pulling in front of you, who's seen Bruce Almighty and he's like, "God, give me a sign." And the a sign truck pulls in front of him and it says, stop, turn around, go back, don't do this. And he's like, I can't hear you, where are you? That's what it's like for us. God is doing everything to communicate, his desire, his passion, he, how for you he is. You know, Elijah's standing on the mount and his servant comes to him and like, Elijah, Elijah, there's so many against us. And he says, oh Lord, open his eyes so he can see. There is far more for us than there are against us. And I really feel like that's for you this morning, that there is so much for you that he wants to change the lenses of the way you see things, the way you hear things and the way you think about things. He wants to give you an upgrade of your perspective. The things and the dreams that are in your heart that you're too afraid to even try because you're afraid of failing. I really want to encourage you. The Lord is on your side. And yeah, you might fail. But he's going to be there to catch you and train you up in the way you should go. I don't know about you, but with the prophetic, because I've been around the prophetic since I was 11, 12. We came out from a brethren church straight into manifestations and all that wonderful world. It was quite confronting. Um, but I, f- I always felt, especially in my teens, Lord, I've got to hear you, got to hear you. What, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Where am I going? What's my calling? I need to know, I need to know. Because I am a planner um, and I really like the plan. So I'm like, Jesus, what is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, so that I can get there? And God's plan doesn't work like that. Um, I'd really like to change his way of working. I just, just say. Um, but... He, I, I was too afraid to go anywhere or do anything because I was afraid to get it wrong. And he said this to me, I think it was 17. He said, Sarah, as long as your heart is for me, you'll hit the bullseye every time. Because he said, a man plans his ways, but I'll direct your path. I'm like, yes, I get to plan. Um, sorry, I was just a bit excited. <laughs> Pursue Him as a person. And when you're consumed with Him, you know that old hymn when you look at things and the things of the world will grow strangely dim? That one, we all know that one. It's actually true. It's actually true. We just lock eyes on Him and get consumed with Him because then we can actually be earthly good because we, are, we need to be so heavenly-minded to be able to make an impact in the world around us. Dine with him, connect with him on a heart-to-heart level. You see, one thing I realized is I always connected to God through my function. And I, I, I was like, yep, function, this is great, the doing part, while God was trying to talk to me all heart-to-heart. And I'm like, that's great, but what about this? Yep, that's great, but what about this? And I wasn't hearing him because he was trying to talk heart to heart. Because he wants us to remain in the pursuit of love so that every kingdom exploit we do actually is worth something. Because without love, we're nothing. And you know what? It starts with you. It starts with you because why? You can't give away what you don't have.